Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Gluttony Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, I hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Scott Romine here. Our first guest, so excited to, to talk to this guy. William Sanderson is a very well-known and recognizable character actor that happens to have appeared in so many things closest and near to dear to my heart, including Blade Runner, Knight Rider, and the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, his book, Yes, I'm That Guy, The Rough and Tumble Life of a Character Actor, is available on Amazon and on his website. How are you, Mr. Sanderson? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, they said, uh, well known. I don't know. Can I say the line I used to say on a Newhart show? I wish you would. For your older listeners, I used to say, hi, I'm Larry. This is my brother, Daryl. And this is my other brother, Daryl. <laughs> I'm just, you know, they might say, who's that uh, uh, B-level, annoying uh, character actor? And uh, But they might remember that now oh, they I, don't remember my name. I promise you they remember that. You know, and when you say that, it means so much to me, and I'm sure listeners, because... You know, my favorite aunt that I stayed with every weekend. We watched that show and watched you do. She couldn't wait for that to happen. And uh, uh, well, she, thank you, but yeah. it was nice to have a regular job. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, as an I'm actor, great guy. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I want to ask you: Has this COVID nineteen affected any jobs that you were supposed to go on or movies oh, you're supposed well, to shoot? No, nobody that I know is working, but. Uh, I'm not looking for it uh, anyway at this stage. I'm here in Pennsylvania, but I was glad to talk to somebody in Arkansas. Believe me, <laughs> have you been? I grew up. I, I grew up in Memphis, but I, I, uh, I. It's even hard to promote the book during the pandemic. But we got it out, and it got good reviews. I thank you for letting me. Oh gosh, it. yes. Tell us about growing up in Memphis, Tennessee. What was some of your favorite stuff in Memphis? Well. The longest chapter in the book is about being around Elvis. Uh, I was kind of a fanatic. And I am a fanatic. I promise. I, I go got, to Graceland all the time. Well, you know, I had the pleasure of being in there once when he was playing the piano and his friends were around the piano. But uh, Did you talk to him I directly think, very much? Uh, he... After Mr. Lansky, who was delivering clothes from Beale Street, where I used to shop, after he introduced me, he said, well, I wondered who that was in my house, and I didn't know him. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was always polite. When we rode, when I'd sneak in the uh, fairgrounds amusement park, uh, I think he got to... No, it wouldn't kick you out, you know. Most people don't go out at midnight and stay out all night. But he uh, he scolded me one time for playing the bumper, uh, hitting head on the bumper cars. I, there's too many stories. There's one though I love that I was playing football, and if you fight hard enough, you can be on the opposite team from Elvis out in Whitehaven, the uh, community. And uh, he saw me looking in this limousine, the Fleetwood, and he had a a bunch of Pepsis in an, on ice. He said, <laughs> I love Pepsi, but he said, you want to sit in it? And I said, no, I don't want to get it dirty. And he said, if you don't, if Bardo won't get it dirty, you won't hurt it. But 
I think he's pretty famous for being kind to the fans, and he uh, sparked a dream, you know, a lot of dreams. Well, you saw him perform on stage when he was like the number two guy, right? I saw him three times, and as uh, I was 11, and then uh, 13, and uh, a little older, and uh, he was becoming famous, which made it we thought we owned him because he grew, you know grew up in Memphis but uh I don't want to be one of those sickening people that talk about their book every second but I do have some more up close stories about him did you get and to go upstairs at Graceland no no I was lucky to sit in the den by at that point there was a white piano and I, we can't curse on the show, can we? Yeah, we we'd probably have to edit it, but uh, you go uh, say what you, you want to. Had, you probably have to edit it a lot of what I say. But <laughs> he, uh, he played. Well, I don't want to tell everything that's in there, but no, I didn't go upstairs. Uh, but I heard him play several songs, and I remember them vividly, and I remember what the, his buddy said afterwards. But. It was like being in a dream. Was he with 13, Priscilla? 13 year old, I was 13 years old. So this was, this was before Priscilla? Uh, yeah, but I used to see them come in. I'd sneak in the Memphian Theater at midnight. She didn't come a lot to the movies, but I'd see her pull in, and the last time it was an Eldorado Cadillac. He loved it. Oh, yeah. And then he might pull in on a Winnebago with his buddies. I got an autograph from him and scared to death, and he signed it. And I took it to some very famous uh, person that does just this, tells what it's worth. And I'm sitting in a country club with these elites, and she said $5,000. Oh, my gosh. That was more than any of the others. So, listen, I could talk about Elvis too much. I love Elvis. All I'd listen to is the Elvis channel, to be honest with you. I mean, he was the king. He will never go away. I hope you get a chance to come back to Memphis. They rebuilt all the exhibits in 2017. It's like Disney World for Elvis now. Well, I'm happy to hear that, but I'll tell you, it makes me sad. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, it was a... Fun time to be a kid in Memphis. Oh, but I can't that, imagine. That makes me very sad. And uh, but uh, I used to drop George Klein's name to get in places. But, oh yeah, the radio DJ. His one of his best friends. Yeah, but I uh, I don't know how to promote the book. I'm so thrilled that you. Oh gosh, it's really hard. It's hard if if people. Don't get anything from what I say. Go to Amazon and read the reviews. It's or, it's called uh, Yes, I'm That Guy, The Rough and Tumble Life of a Character Actor. It's on Amazon. And what was your motivation to finally get the book done? I know this is the kind of thing people put off for years. And Well, that's a great question. Uh, but I, I'll start with vanity. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's a good way to dig your own grave. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> It, 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 to me, my life is kind of a minor miracle. I lived in an attic as a kid with my brother and mother, and we got out of there. But uh, I'm thinking of Santana now. I read a great book. He said, don't cry at your own, at your own movie. So it's how far that I came and the breaks I had and the people that helped me and 30-something characters. Uh, uh, 
Academy Award. Can I tell one Dukes of Hazard? You had. Oh Captain gosh, Bob. I'm definitely going to ask you about the Dukes of Hazard. Before we get to that, what did you do in the Army? I was a medic, as little as possible, I guess is the answer. But I volunteered for the draft at 18, and I didn't want to spend three years, so I get two years active, and it was a great break because I got the GI Bill to go to law school, which I finished but never took the bar. But, uh, yeah, I was a medic, and uh, there's a little, little bit, well, I have to, there's a little bit in the book about it, but. Uh, you also have you know, a business that, degree as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I graduated in Memphis State then, and now it's University of Memphis. But when the GI Bill came in, it helped me go to law school because it was, it was hard for me. It's funny and, that uh, your education is in everything but acting. Yeah, I stumbled into acting, which is another story sometime. Oh gosh, we'll have to. Were you always interested in it? Were you in plays in elementary school and that sort of thing? Uh, I went to the theater. I know sports. I was a fanatic. I wanted to be seven foot and invincible. And <laughs> I'm five eight and nervous. I guess. <laughs> and you have a distinction of being in two of the most competitive TV shows of all time. You were on the Dukes of Hazard, and you also appeared on Knight Rider. What's some memories you have of those shows? Oh, well, let me start with Dukes of Hazard. You had Catherine Bach on, and I, she, from the photos, she's still beautiful. Oh, she is. <laughs> Dukes of Hazard, I didn't have to audition, so I went in and just played a bad guy. Uh, I liked Tom, and I liked uh, John. I liked and you mentioned James Best uh, when we talked off the microphone. He is He's such a great gentleman. He was such a great actor. You know? Oh, so accomplished. He's, if you see his old movies, he could he could do anything. And uh, leads or funny, he said, uh, you know, he got, got the idea of uh, the way he stuttered talking to his children he may have told you oh that. yeah he told me all about that that, that he would well, you know more than i do but Catherine, i have a little story about her i was out at the airport it was about 10 a.m and uh i saw her standing she wouldn't even remember me but i saw her with a bloody mary in her hand i think i asked her where she was going was this was during the of, show this was this back no during? no this was after we'd oh, okay shot. yeah long after it but I got the nerve to say, but where are you going? She said, Mexico, some resort. And I, I thought, 10 a.m., she's having the Bloody Mary. That's how the other half lives. <laughs> I, was, I was probably going to Memphis and thrilled to death that I had the money to get a plane ticket. But uh, I got one more story. I can, oh, I can gosh, yeah, let's in. talk about it. My agent represented Tom Wopat, and... He told me that Bullpet asked him if he had seen the show lately, Am I Getting Better? And my late agent said, Well, you're getting in the window faster. You know. Oh, in the General Lee. Yeah. Oh, that's man. that's funny. What about some... Well, you know, he's a cynic, and he uh, parted himself to death, my agent. But Tom and them were nice to me, and I can't say enough about it. They might say who's William Sanderson, but 
It's uh, well, Mr. Sanderson. What about the ones I never got to meet? Sorrel Book, who was Boss Hog, and Denver Pyle, who was Uncle Jesse. What What do you remember about those fellas? Well, uh, I don't think I had any scenes with Sorrel. They told me that he did twelve different. I believe he announced it that he did twelve different dialects or accents. I've heard that. Yeah, that he could so speak a lot of languages. Upstate New York. And I'm a fan of Denver Powell. It was, you know, and somebody said years later he was down in New Mexico lamenting, I'm not working, I got nothing. Well, we all <laughs> go through that. So yeah. I, I empathized with when I heard that. But, uh, and I loved the music too. Um, Waylon, for a while, Waylon Jennings, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, Waylon Jennings, the good old boys. Yeah, yeah, I liked that, but. There was something flew out of my mind. Um, uh, but, you know, when I say they, they don't necessarily, Tom knows me, but if they don't, you can say that guy. <laughs> right. But I don't even remember the character. There were so many bad guys that came and went for the years that they did the show. Oh, that's true. But uh, just give them my love if you see them. I sure will. So you can and answer. Snyder. He's a heck of a talent boy. He's yeah. pretty versatile. Yes, he is. Tommy. Well, maybe you can settle the age-old debate. What was faster, General Lee or Kit? Well, that's a great question, <laughs> and I don't know, but <laughs> I, I had some funny things happen on that show. Uh, to me, they were funny in retrospect. I was playing a drunk, what else, and I had a brown paper bag with a bottle of prop, uh, I think it's iced tea, and I just sip it before we start the scene and uh you just loosen up you know sure and uh, a year later or more i was in the hard rock cafe which i should never be in and some woman told a guy across the bar you see that guy he's a real good actor he was in Blade Runner, but you know when i worked with him she was an extra he was drunk at 10 o'clock <laughs> you were acting and and this is what did my heart good my buddy whom i'd been working in the bar business bartender in new york he said really i've known him 10 years that doesn't sound like him to me he's just a dang good actor you know 1982 must have been like one of the craziest years of your life because you're on all these shows was it ever a conflict of trying to get on one show but you're known as this other character on this other show was that ever a problem well it became a problem later as i got a little more success but no and blade runner kept me humble because it wasn't a box office hit but boy it's good to be in a cult film now <laughs> oh gosh absolutely everybody's going to know you forever from that what was uh, the audition like for blade runner was one of the most pleasant I ever had because Ridley took me in. I, I didn't know. I just thought it was another audition. I didn't know. He took me in and talked to me one-on-one. -on -one. I'd just come off scared straight where I'd played a prisoner in uh, Rawway where they took the kids in, you know. That's a CBS movie. But he just talked to me, and um, he said, you read the book? And I said, no, my wife did he said, I didn't either. I couldn't get through it. He he told me about who he had had in mind for the part and of, of Harrison Ford. 
and he was defending him. God, I just wanted a job, you know. Sure. And and I, but they had thought about Dustin Hoffman. Harrison had big Spielberg project coming out, and he made a good choice. I think so. It is one of the best films ever made. But when you were shooting that and you had the little people in the dark and all that, did you think this is either the craziest movie ever made or no one's ever going to see it? No, uh, they spent a lot of money at that time. And the makeup lady said, oh, everybody in this movie would be a star. (laughs) You know, they built you up. But then it didn't do well. But in time, it kind of, some of the story came true with the riots in L.A. and so forth. But uh, it was great to be on that set. They built my apartment on an entire soundstage. Okay. And they didn't all get in the movie, but that's pretty, that's a big compliment. Yes, and it is. I love Daryl Hannon, uh, Rutger Hauer, and working with them was great. Well, when but you I come... Went back, I went back years later to do... Mike and Molly, and they had their whole show built on them on my stage. <laughs> Which was so your apartment were, originally. Yeah, yeah. Was there it actually scenes in, inside of that Bradbury movie when you come up the elevator? Was that the real building? They wet uh, the floor down? The ex- exteriors. They put a lot of mud on the floor and water, and uh, we walked up, went up that ornate elevator. What a gorgeous building. I believe it's and also then, in a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, been in a number, I guess. But, uh, you know, I forgot to mention somebody. Can I mention some Daryl? Sure. When, uh, maybe when I thought of Daryl Hannah, I didn't mention when I did the New Heart Show, John Bolstead and Tony Papenthus. They were my brother Daryl's, and they were great stage actors, and we're still friends, so... That comes from left field. Maybe you can cut oh, it out. Or, hey, definitely. Right? I, I always wondered with those other guys, did y'all all try out for the speaking role and they picked one of you? Hey, you're going to be the talking guy? Yeah, I think they did it like that. Of course, I wasn't in there when they did it. Uh, Tell me about Rudger Hauer, because we lost him not very long ago. Can I congratulate you? You got your own studio now, I heard. Yeah, I do. I'm actually, uh, I've got all the home stuff, and uh, it's working out pretty well. And I think a lot of radio guys have had to do that. Oh, well, my goodness. Congratulations. Yeah. And you, the next Tom Bodette, you can, do, you can do anything. I'll be asking you for a job if I live long enough. <laughs> we'll leave the light but, on for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I can't say enough about Rutger Hauer. I'm so sorry that he passed away, but he was definitely ever much, uh, meant just as much to the movie as Harrison Ford or anybody else. Uh, he liked to do a lot of tweaking. They were supposed to kill my character on screen. Yeah, that's, that's I, right. I died, I died pretty well. I had a lot of experience. But anyway. But they didn't, did they leave it kind of ambiguous whether you died or not, right? Uh, Ridley, I mean, he he went to Ridley and asked him if he could not do that because it would make him less sympathetic killing all these people. So I lost that. But Rutger, uh, he mentioned me in his book. So I, had, I don't know if they got the facts I've right I've read today. most of the book of, of 
Yes, he does. He mentions all of that. I So I guess in theory, you could have come back in the 2049 movie. Well, technically, I was told uh, he killed me off screen. So I don't know. That, that would be great. But uh, I just wanted to interject that I'm very happy the way it's uh, worked out. I, uh, my book is about my successes and disappointments often being a danger to myself. There's, and I ended up with a wonderful wife and grandchildren. And, but I had uh, arrests or drinking, arrests, self-sabotage, self-doubt. Somehow I kept working. You sure did. You it have... started when I was a 15-year-old in Memphis. Uh, we stole these cars, seven counts of grand larceny. had to get a a waiver to get in the army and scared me to death but forgive me i just hope if they read the book they'll find it interesting or go read the reviews on amazon oh just get the book on amazon it's called yes i'm that guy the rough and tumble life of a character actor you know this guy from true blood and blade runner and and Deadwood and all the things you've done. I want to ask you about an Arkansas connection. You work with Levon Helm, and he's from Elaine, oh. Arkansas. Oh, Levon, what a talent, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He he was not. He's either under the weather, or he might have been doing a little drugs. He's a little aloof on coal miner's daughter, but every time I see him, I believed him on the screen, and I certainly loved his songs. I I love the state of Arkansas. I was going to talk about Derek Fisher. As, uh, I live in the past as an actor, but Derek Fisher went to school in Little Rock, didn't he? I well, the, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, I know he's, he's an L.A. Laker who won five championships. I jumped from Levon. I didn't get to know him, but uh, he's a good friend of Tommy Lee Jones. Yep. And um, I mean, what couldn't he do? He could write, sing, play. He did a uh, lot of stuff. I know George Hamilton's from Hot Springs. The, oh, I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know that. Hey, let me ask well, you. What's that? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you about a movie growing up. I loved watching Lone Wolf McQuaid. And oh. uh, Chuck Norris kind of roughs you up a little bit in that. How'd that come to be? Well, uh... I must have gone in to meet the director, and he's kind of famous for wanting the actress to do the stunts. Sure. Their own stunts, and uh, he lost one or two. Uh, they, and, <laughs> but I went on trying to impress Chuck and the rest, and he actually, Chuck and his brother Aaron, I liked them a lot. Chuck uh, had them write me the second lead in Missing in Action, but I couldn't do it. I took this movie with... Burt Reynolds and uh, Clint Eastwood that bombed, but that movie, Missing in Action, made more than any independent film that year. It Chuck was Norris big. Was yeah. Great. Thank you for remembering it. Well, wasn't was would you say that Lone Wolf McQuaid was kind of a precursor that turned into Walker Texas Ranger? It's kind oh, of oh, definitely. See, definitely it was the same character. I think the Ranger, but he got in a lot of legal hassles uh but they got it worked out and uh he had years i did about three of chuck shows a christmas show and uh did a number of uh, independent films but i hated losing the one because chuck lost a brother in vietnam my brother served in vietnam and 
it was a good part. But, yeah, just didn't I, happen. There was another another one you you asked me earlier about the, the, when it rains it pours or something. But I was offered uh, Batman. It would have been my seventh job with Tommy Lee Jones. Really? What care, I, would you have played one of his henchmen or something? He was a guard. He was a guard, but it, the director told me later I made the right decision. He thought I didn't want to do the movie. He's just a guard of some kind, and but the movie made three hundred million dollars. Yeah, that was and the Joel was, Schumacher who we just lost uh, yes, a couple of days Joel ago. Joel directed me and the client. And I didn't talk, just showed up with flat top the whole time. But I kept the money. <laughs> You're right. I don't blame you. But the thing is, John Frankenheimer, who passed away as well, would not let me out of the rehearsals to do Batman. And I had already worked with Val Kilmer. And you can't work with Tommy Lee and not get something to react to. Sure. Yeah. Coal miner's daughter, point. The point I guess. Is, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, I understand. What's the most memorable audition you that you went on? Oh, good lord! <laughs> uh, I try to I literally repress them, but I mean, Deadwood was a good experience because I ended up getting a fun part. A lot of people may not have liked the language in that show, but uh, I. Gosh, I do repress them. Uh, uh, this one woman, casting director, put her hand in my mouth and pulling my mouth apart, and I has everything I could do to keep from pushing her across the room. <laughs> what a way she, to get a gig. Yeah, she was the casting director on The Client and a bunch of movies and passed away. You know, I, uh, I feel like I just talked. No, you don't. Here's another Arkansas connection is, I believe, Lonesome Dove is kind of set in Fort Smith. Yeah, yeah, Lonesome Dove was fun. And I drove through Fort Smith. Every time I'd come through, I used to fish at Horseshoe Lake, which is across the river from Memphis. Sure. So all my memories of going through Arkansas, the people were nice. And Fort Smith, I knew I was getting close to Memphis. I was in the Army in Dallas, and I'd come back through Arkansas. Or I was in college a little while in Dallas, and I'd come through Arkansas. Arkansas is a great place. Well, I I, like, I sound like Biden, don't I? If I'm you, talking about, <laughs> yeah, or a politician. Somebody. If you come back through Arkansas, I, I hope you stop and let me buy you lunch or something to that effect. I'd love it, but uh, I probably should take a tranquilizer trying to uh, talk. You know, you lose the cognitive capacity when you get older. Ah, that's the rumor. Do you think the real Deadwood was that bloody? Did they have that many murders? Well, they had a murder a day. It was based on history when it started out. Uh a murder a day, and I believe it was 1878. So I believe the violence was more, you know, based on fact than some of the words. But I'm glad my parents were not living. They saw me <laughs> on a white bread show, New Heart, No Cursing. And on that show, it still brings in money. And I got to say some pseudo-Shakespearean things. You have had just a fascinating life. Um, how HBO has been very, very good to you, it seems like. 
Yeah, they they were, and especially came later in life. You really appreciate those things. But uh, I was thinking about something you just said, and it probably flew out of my mind. But uh, I ended up happy, and I survived Hollywood. That's a lot of my memoir. Publishing the memoir could be the stupidest thing I've ever done, telling on myself. (laughs) <laughs> I talked to a group. I talked to a group in West Virginia, wonderful people like the people from Arkansas, and uh, I told them that Hollywood could be a cruel mistress. I'm cheating now. I look at what I said. I feel happy and grateful to have survived her. If there's a happier character actor out in there, I want to meet him. And if you read the book, I hope you enjoy the scenes of the great stars, directors writers that I worked with. I learned something from all of them. I think you did a Twilight Zone, didn't you? Yes, it was uh, updated when I shot it in Canada. Hold on one second. Yes, sir. I changed ears, ears itching, uh, changing back. The I did uh, a show with uh, Andy Griffith in North Carolina, that Matlock, too. But uh, I don't know. I feel like there's something I rather than bore them to death, the readers. Uh, <laughs> well, let I, me ask you about something else. You, Batman is old enough you could have grown up a fan of Batman, but you voiced a character on the Batman cartoon. Oh, uh, thank you for how you remembering that. Yeah, it's the old money trickles in, not because of it's just the quality. Yes, I did. I think they called the agent. Oh, for one time they called and they said, we want a guy like was in Blade Runner. I don't know if that was that or another cartoon. And the agent said, well, would you like the guy that played? Uh, So it may have predated. But um, I had a good voiceover agent, and I'm grateful for the cartoons and commercials. What was Harrison Ford like when you worked on Blade Runner? Well, I didn't do a scene with him, so I think he likes me all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But I was shooting something on the lot and uh, in Culver City, and I and they said Harrison's. Oh, Henry Thomas was working with him, I think. And I had done Henry Thomas was an ET. The ET so boy. I, That's I right. Said, yeah, I told uh, somebody tell Harrison hello, and so Harrison signed a photo, and he said you were a real asset to Blade Runner signed his name so uh but i like him i know that tommy lee's worked with him i asked him about that experience you know you mentioned they built your whole apartment in a warehouse one of my favorite stories john schneider ever told me was they were shooting dukes in the warner's back lot and he walked through deckard's apartment on blade runner and picked up the square glasses and all you know i mean why do you was quite a quite a set, you know, and they had uh, plane, I mean, cars flying and stuff on cables. But you, you know, you can tell when you do like I got a movie. A lot of people wanted to come and visit the set, and then I, oh, got I bet a movie with Bruce Willis one time, and I could tell, wow, those people that never talk to me want to come visit the set. Well, you know, the thing about Blade Runner is your character, what makes it work so well is he seems so out of place. He's like this southern guy in this very futuristic, urban, 
it's just so bizarre. It's, I think that's what makes it work, but it's almost like the movie was too smart for the audience at the time. Oh, that's a pretty good uh, assessment. You should be writing, and you probably are. I uh, I think you're probably right. For me to play the character, I was probably playing myself in one way. He never feels like he fits in. Uh, right. Have you kept any cool props or costumes or anything over the years? You have the JF helmet or, you know, anything like that? Oh, I got a Laird... Larry costume. I based him on the town crazy I'd played back in New York, and uh, uh, a tramp I played. No, I got some. Got a little bit of uh, from a movie with Charles Bronson. I'm really dropping names now. And Lee oh, Marvin. that's okay. That, that Lee Marvin. Uh, that was a thrill to meet both of them, and I was so broke I didn't even have a car. Yeah, so something like Newhart would be great to have a regular job for what eight years or so. Oh, yes. He lived in Bel Air and he even bought the home out at, uh, in Malibu that belonged to Robert Redford, which I had the pleasure of going out to on the water, you know. And, um, and now he's at 90. They've uh, downsized and left a gorgeous house in Bel Air and moved to Century City. I think they have a. It's uh, a nice con- place. Still a nice yeah. place. What advice yeah. would you give for someone that wanted to be an actor? You better love it because you will take a lot of rejection. Yeah, and, I guess that's uh, part of it, isn't it? Just if you love something, you go after it. It's, uh, do you have the desire and willingness to work hard and persevere? That's right. Do what it takes. And, and I guess you have to move to where these things are made. Yeah, well, I think so. I'm very grateful that I did an apprenticeship in New York. I mean, I've had several people call me and say, how are you getting those movies? Like it was some kind of magic wand. But <laughs> usually the, the agents sell the resumes, except I'm doing a lot of talking as a character actor. What is your greatest memory, though? Because for me, even though you've been in all these great films... The fact that you sat in Graceland when Elvis was alive and playing a piano, I just don't know that, for me, anything could ever top that. Well, uh, that that one, growing up and being around him and seeing and, and being close or sitting on the front row in the park, it's like a Hollywood Bowl, this thing called the Shell in Memphis. Uh, those things, of course, the birth of your son and meeting my wife, those things are uh, yeah. important. But uh, Elvis was, uh, I don't, I was just a fan and I guess really a stalker. <laughs> yeah, that's people, right. People didn't, people didn't know that he had a ranch down in Mississippi or they didn't know much about it. And I drove down there and parked the car where they couldn't tell. And I just hang around the gate, and out came Priscilla and Elvis in a black Eldorado, and I said, well, my day's complete. I saw him. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is everything you're talking about is is before Suspicious Minds and before Burn in Love and, and Moody Blue and all, you know, the, before the jumpsuits, you were hanging out with Elvis. Yeah, he was, I only, you know, once I started, and when I got out of high school, I went straight in the army. So I didn't wasn't around. I was there before he dyed his hair, 
and I was when when um, Bob uh, Neal was his manager and owned a little record shop where he let me hang out. And um, uh, that's before Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really. My wife would say years ago, "Quit talking about him. They'll know how old you are." (laughs) But that cat's out of the bag. Now I'm grateful to make it this far. Wow. And if they read the book, they will see why. Well, you know, I I am just very, so very uh, I made so many mistakes, a dozen arrests uh, that I counted, but somehow that makes you have a lot of faith. It changes your life when good things happen. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you so much, William Sanderson. Go buy his book online. Yes, thank I'm you. that guy. The rough and tumble life of a character actor. You've got to get the book. It's on Amazon. It's on his website, williamsanderson.net. You've also got some autographed photos from Blade Runner and New Heart and stuff available on the website. Thank you so much. You're so nice to um, give a fading character actor time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Sanderson. We'll talk to you soon. Scott Romine for Guatemala. My my best to the Deadwood people. I mean, uh, uh, Dukes of Hazzard, even though... They won't remember me. Oh, I bet they would. Thank you so much. Oh, he will. Scott Romine for Guatney Unplugged. Go have a fantastic Saturday. We will see you next week. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group.